Well, today we are up to week five of the chase. So it's hard to believe it sort of seemed to go through really quickly. We've got one more week to go next week uh, before we jump into a brand new series. But as we've been going through and looking at the different aspects of of having a godly heart, that's where we started week one, godly heart. Um, it's actually a bit of a process that we go through to to build on each one. And so I'm going to sum up those a little bit today, but if you've missed any, feel free to go back and jump online and to go through that process because it's important to do. Because first step is to have a godly heart. Now, for some of us, what we think on this is that to have a godly heart, uh, I remember years ago, um, especially as working with young people, they would go, you know what, to have a godly heart, I need years under my belt. I need serious commitment, and so I can't have a super godly heart because I'm only 16 years old, so that's that's in front of me. Well, it's actually got nothing to do with age. It actually has everything to do with intent, and it's not even about being mistake-free. So some of you might go, I I can't have a godly heart because I, 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 I can't get it right all the time. So a godly heart is not even about having a mistake-free heart. It's about a heart that is pointed to and running toward God. Now, again, put it into a physical thing. For some people, running is a very unnatural process. When they run, it doesn't look like they, they, like, um, some people just have that running style that's just so smooth and that sort of looks like, some people run and it looks like they're going to fall each step. And some of us spiritually look like we move so smoothly. Some of us look like, oh, we fall over and we go, oh, I've messed up again doesn't matter. If you've got an intent and you are going towards God and you are you are moving that direction, if you fall, hey, we don't want that to happen, but it's okay. Pick yourself up. Keep moving towards God. Keep having that focus in your life. And this leads us to having a courageous heart. And a courageous heart is dealing with the big uglies in our life, much like David had to deal with the big ugly in his. And the choice is this is what we've got. We've got a choice before us when we look at the courageous heart. We've got the choice of actually saying, letting the big uglies dictate the way we should live, whether it's a fear, whether it's a hurt, whether it's something that is really taking a hold of our life, it is letting that dictate to us or we're letting God actually face that big ugly and take control and let him win. And Because in doing that, when we make that choice, we are saying, God, you are bigger. We are trusting in you to do that. When we are letting the big ugly win, we are letting him do exactly what Goliath did every day in front of the Israelites. He would come out and taunt them and he would curse their God. And so when we let that live in our life, we are letting it curse God. And so God wants to sort of conquer it in your own life. We also then come to a place of having a heart of grace. Now, a heart of grace is something that is, is a bit twofold because we must experience grace. I need grace. I not only need grace from God, but I also need grace from others. I need to experience that. But there are times that I need to show grace and the people around me need to have grace from me. Um, so it's a grace to and from others. Um, now, the one thing that, and so, see, we're developing on this, we're building on this. The one thing that we're not developing, what we looked at last week was having a flawed heart because we don't want to develop that. It does it all by itself. We don't have to work at it. So you don't want to be a success in this area. You actually want to go, no, I don't want to develop my flawed heart. I actually want to set up boundaries. I want to sort of um, put up safeguards in my life to protect ourselves 
going down a pathway which is letting our flawed heart rule in our life. Which brings us today. Today is a bit different because rather than sort of looking at a story of David, we're looking at something that was written a long time before he lived, but it actually directly impacts on David's life as king. See, and we're going to sort of wrap some of those things together before we move into next week. Because today we want to talk about having a faithful heart. A heart which is faithful to the things that God is calling us to. A faithful to to I suppose following where God wants to lead us faithful to trusting in the promises he has for us the thing is faithfulness at times is not the most exciting aspect of of I suppose action having a godly heart we we can actually have a godly heart because we look and go well God is amazing and God captures our view we go oh I want to be like God I want to follow after him a courageous heart yeah well you know what if I ask most of us, I'd say most of us want to be brave even if we struggle to do it. Okay, most of us want, have that desire. So a courageous heart is great in that sense. Gracious heart, again, we love it when we experience grace. I think even, like most of us, like when, when we have that moment where we're able to extend grace and we go, oh, wow, God is really working through me, that actually becomes a big tick as well. But a faithful heart, is a heart that is actually built on the repetitive. It's about being consistent time after time after time. I I have to, like, I've never had this desire in my life, but I, I do admire swimmers who are competitive because they will get up every day and they will swim and swim and swim get dressed, go to school, come home and do more swimming. Why? Because they have to be faithful to the training, otherwise it doesn't improve the results. And it's not like a team sport where you get to go out and hang out with your mates and, and score a goal and win a game. They do a lot of training to have these moments in time to be able to win a race. And I really admire that faithfulness. And But the thing is, many swimmers go, oh, when, when they finish their training, when they've got to the point that they're no longer pursuing it, they have actually enjoyed having to let it go because it's so mundane. It's over and over and again. One of the lines, we, we spend our life following a black line. But the thing is with God and being faithful to God, there is a sense of the repetitive. It is marked by consistent repetition of choosing godliness, courage and grace Day after day. If you consistently repeat right things, though, this is what will happen. You will consistently pile up positive consequences in your life. And that's what we call blessings. Now, before you sort of take this in a way it's not meant to be intended, I'm not saying that if you do the right thing all the time, all of a sudden you're going to find an extra million dollars in your bank account. Okay, Bible doesn't talk about that, but this is the thing. If you are a trustworthy person and you tell the truth, over time, you'll become known as a trustworthy person. It doesn't mean that everyone will believe you. It doesn't mean every single situation that people go, oh, you're telling the truth right now. But over time, people go, I've never heard that person sort of lie about anything. And so right now, I I believe their word. And so it becomes a, a, a positive consequence on things. If you are someone who cares about people, it doesn't mean everyone who cares it will care about you, 
It won't happen that way, but what will happen is that people will normally respond in kindness. In fact, if you're a person who is consistently kind to someone, even if they're sort of a sort of a crotchety, sort of bitter old person, or maybe even a bitter young person, if you are consistently kind to them, you can actually start breaking through those barriers. I remember the movie Patch Adams, and um, he's going into encourage and, and lighten up um, these people in 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 um, in, uh, in the hospital. And there's this one patient who is terminal and is just bitter at life because of this sort of terminal illness that he has. And pe- doctors have gone in, nurses have gone in, and he's, he's sort of throwing bedpans at them and, and just it's, it's hating upon them. And Patch Adams sort of goes in and one time is basically sort of chased out of the room as well. He, he says, I'm going to try again. I'm going to try and bring in and, and, and make this guy laugh. And so he comes in wearing angel's wings and going, since you think you're dead already, let's just talk about all the words that sort of relate to death. And he breaks him down to the point that this guy is laughing with him. And so yeah, if you do things consistently in one way, you will get a consistent result. Now, the flip side is true as well. If you consistently make wrong choices, you will actually build up uh, negative consequences. And the Bible talks about this as curses. We, 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 our lives are filled with blessing or cursing. And it's not some, it doesn't have to be this super spiritual thing. It's just a logical outworking of our lives. And it doesn't mean consistently. There have been times that I'm doing, I'm, I'm being very kind hearted to people and people respond to me with quite vitriolic sort of almost hatred at times. And I'm sort of taken aback. And there are times when I think I wasn't at my best. And someone actually responds to me with kindness. I'm going, so it doesn't, it doesn't all, but overall, it will actually set a direction. That's just a, a side there. But faithfulness is staying in a godly pattern. And for some of us, some of us actually like patterns. Some of us go, if you could give me a list of jobs to do from the time I woke up to the time I went to bed every day for this week, Monday to Sunday, Monday to Sunday, you would be in heaven. For some of you, you would be in hell. You kind of want a bit of flexibility. You want a kind of bit of freedom. You kind of want... But the thing is, with faithfulness, there has to be a pattern because it's actually committing to um, and following along with what God wants. Now, this is not in your notes. So if you're writing down your notes, this, this next bit is not in your notes, but you might want to um, write this down. If we are going to learn to be faithful to what God has for us, we need to begin to have faith in what God has for us. Now, this will make a bit more sense as I, as I start sort of revealing some of the points. But this is, we have to have faith if we will be faithful, like if we want to be faithful too. So as I go through the points today, you need to, you need to understand that to be faithful to these things, you need to have faith in these things. And the Bible reading today is from is not from the life of David. It's actually Moses speaking in Deuteronomy. And what what is happening is that God is aware that even though he said, I don't want you to be a monarchy, I don't want you to be like other nations, I actually want you to be a theocracy, where God is in charge and you listen to me, I'll send my prophets, I'll speak through my prophets and you'll follow them. And so we have the time of the judges. Um, so Joshua starts that process and it goes all the way up to Samuel where all of a sudden the people are looking around and going, we want a king. We want to be like other nations. And even though that wasn't God's desire, what he does, he says, I know your hearts 
And so what I'm going to do, I'm going to put in some boundaries so that you can at least have a king, but you can have a king the way I desire it for you. And we see that in this passage in, in Deuteronomy. Um, so I just want to read some verses that weren't read this morning, verses 14 and 15. It says, um, when you enter the land, the Lord your God is giving you. So, so Moses must be at the point of time where, where he's basically saying, you're about to enter the promised land. And at some point in time while you're in that promised land, you're going to turn around and look at the other nations saying, we want a king too. Um, and so when you enter the land that God has given you, have taken possession of it and settled in it, and you say, let us set a king over us like all the nations around us. God didn't miss a beat. He wasn't surprised by the hearts of the Israelites. Verse 15 says, be sure to appoint over you a king the Lord your God chooses. He must be from among your fellow Israelites. Do not place a foreigner over you, one who is not an Israelite. So the first thing we need to be faithful to and have faith in is God's plan. And right in this situation, what we see is that God says, my plan for you is that I will choose who will be king. Now, the thing is, I think Saul, this is why Saul and David were both in part chosen. Saul looked like the king that the nations would have. He was a, he was a big man. He wasn't as big as Goliath, but he wasn't a shrimp either. He was a warrior. He, he looked strong. And when people looked at him and said, oh, we can trust in him because he's strong. Now, David was a lad when he was anointed king. He was a young man, maybe a teenager at best. And so when people looked at him, they saw a strong God. They didn't see a strong man. They saw a strong God. And in addition to that, David had a, made a choice in his life to say, my heart is going to pursue God's heart. So you can see the difference between a man's choice and a God's choice even there. Even though God did choose Saul, he was showing the difference of what it was. And so when we, when we come to God's plan, this is what we need to realize is that, well, one, if we have faith that God has a plan, we then have faith that God has a purpose. And then we've got to, we've got to be faithful to that plan. We've got to be faithful to that purpose he has for us. Now, there's a couple of little things I just want to touch on right now because first of all, some people go, I don't, does that mean that God has a plan for every single moment of my day? No, no, I don't think he does. I think God allows us to make choices around some of the things we do. But he does want us to be leaning into him and, and trusting in his guidance and, and walking where he wants to go. So don't don't sort of wake up in your day saying, God, um, which way do you want me to brush my teeth today? Left or right hand? Like that's that's not what God is talking about here. He again, don't go into McDonald's and saying, What God, what do you want me to order here today? Okay, like um, that's that's not what we're talking about. But it is those things that we need to be leaning into trusting God. God, hey, I'm worried about I'm worried about my provision and how I'm going to look after my family. And, and you lean into God and say, well, this is this is the way I want you to go. So that's one point. The second point is that there are some things that God has made it very clear that He wants us to do. So when we're sitting around going, uh, whether that's as individuals or as a church, and we start to go, God, I'm not sure what Your plan for us is. Well, God wants us to love other people. Okay, but how do we do that, God? Okay, we'll go love them. How do you show you? God, we're not, we don't have to be sort of foolish in this. We can start loving people in real simple ways. We don't need a program. Where's the book that I read how to love people? 
Well, there's plenty of books out there to tell you how to do that, but sometimes I don't think we need to do it. We don't need more knowledge, we need more action. God actually says, go in the world and make disciples. So God, you're asking me to go into my world and make disciples. At this point, we ask this question multiple times. God actually face palms like this going, how many other ways can I say this? Go, make disciples. Go do that. How do I do it? Oh, let's tell other people about God. Share your story. First point, grow with me yourself and share your growth with others. So some things like, again, as we read God's word, God actually unveils his plan for us. It's not a a mystery. Other things, God wants us to lean into him and trust him and do that. Now, with this idea of David, David was to be chosen by God, which he was. And, And so Israel had to trust in that, had to trust that God, David was the king for them and, and to trust in that purpose. And, and so faith in God means that your life has a plan and it has a purpose. So as soon as you said, oh, but God doesn't have a plan for my life, you're missing that first step. To be faithful to God's plan, you need to have faith in God's plan. And you need to have faith that there is a plan. You have to have faith that God knows what he's doing. But secondly, we have faith in God's plan, but we also need to have faith in God's placement. Now, this can become a hard one because sometimes we find ourselves in life somewhere we do not want to be. I don't want to be here, God. I've had enough of this. And that affects a whole range of areas, everything from relationships to jobs to places where we live. It can even affect the way that we look at ourselves. God, this is not the body I want to be in. I don't, I don't trust what you've done. Like, God, you should have, you should have, I should have been born into another family, one of those rich ones that sort of, like, they have heaps of stuff to give you all the time. That was the thing. Oh, oh God, this is not the job that I, I wanted. This is not the place I wanted to be, and this is not where I saw myself in life. And we so become so resistant to life that we end up saying, I knew someone a few years ago, they sort of said, oh, I hate living in Rockhampton. And they said it so often that they, they truly believed that. They couldn't do anything that, was, was, that would bring them joy in this place. And that's the thing, like, that could be any place. You could move to the Gold Coast and be looking out on the beach and the traffic around you is annoying you or, or the job that you're working is horrible. And you can say over and over again, I hate this place until it becomes truly true for you. Now, it doesn't mean that if we're in a horrible place, God is not going to move us on from that. God didn't keep the people in the wilderness forever. It was for a season. And there may be seasonal things that we go through that God wants to move us through, but we need to trust him in that process. The wilderness was on the way to the promised land. If they stayed in Egypt, they would have only ever talked about the promised land. Now, again, their path wasn't exactly what God wanted for them, but he got them there in the end. And, and, and so we need to trust God's placement. And if we fight against God's placement, again, we get to the point that we are not being faithful to God's placement, but we're not being, we do not have faith in God and the placement he has put us in. We also need to be faithful to God's power. We actually see this in the verses um, that talk about um, in, in, um, 
in Israel that says the king must not acquire great numbers of horses for himself or make the people return to Egypt to get more of them. Now, that's what that is talking about is building a cavalry. It's not about having horses to ride around for fun. Like, that that was okay. But I was explicitly talking about building up a cavalry so that when your enemies rushed before you on feet, you could run them down with horses. And where would your might be? Where would your power be? It would be in my army. I could show the nations how strong I am by my army, by the things that I have done. And this is, this is the interesting thing. God forbade that from happening. And when you get to the life of Solomon, you actually multiply the Calvary. You actually see some of the stuff that is in here. Solomon, even though David, for the most part, followed this really well, Solomon, even though he was a wise king, he was foolish because he did not keep the obedience to what God had said. We need to trust in God's power. We need to be faithful to it. And now this is the thing is, the struggle we have here is that this is what we want to say. I can do it myself. Now, I want you to imagine a time in your life where there's been a toddler around you who says, I can do this myself. Whether it's shoes, whether it's clothes, whether it's picking the clothes, whether it's eating food. And we go, we get frustrated with them going, hey, if you just let me help you here, we can get this done a lot quicker. Oh, we need to go. We need to get in the car. We need this to happen. Or I'm sick, I'm sick of sitting at the table watching you not eat your food. I can do this myself. The thing is, we as adults, maybe as spiritual children at time, we say the exactly same thing to God. I can do this myself. Why? Because I want to be strong in myself. <coughs> I don't want to be weak. I don't want to be seen as weak. But this is the truth that you need to accept. The strongest place you will ever be is on your knees, submitted and surrendered to God. There is no stronger place that you will ever find. But the thing is, the world doesn't like surrender. The world does not like submission. But when it comes to submitting to God and surrendering to God, there's no loss. There is no way that we can lose there. Again, I'm not saying there's not going to be struggle. I'm not saying there's not going to be trial. But at that place, we are able to trust in God and his power for us, for our situation, for our family, for providing for us. We can trust in that. <coughs> we need to trust and have be faithful to God's power. But we also need to be faithful to God's person. In this... um. Um, verse 17, it says, You must not take many wives, or his heart will be led astray. Now, I can speak as a husband. I think more than one would be a struggle. I don't know what David and what Solomon were doing. Um, I, there, there's some kind of crazy there. But the thing is, what you see in David's life, he began with, it actually got multiplied in Solomon's life. And when you look at Solomon going astray, it was because his wives, his wives wanted temples to their gods. Moses spoke this hundreds of years before this, and God was spot on. Now, in saying this, like we don't live in a society where we have multiple wives, and you think, well, what's this got to apply to us? Well, the thing is, we need to be faithful to God's person that has brought into our life. And, and in saying that, I'm not saying that there's not 
our world is fallen and things like divorce does happen. But right now in the, in the situation that you are in, like you need to choose to be faithful to the person that God has brought into your life. You need to choose to work on that relationship. You need to be faithful to and have faith in God's wisdom for you. Now, again, God may not have done that in your life. And again, you trust in him for that. Like God is going to provide friends and family that will look after you. But the thing is, I suppose this is where even we as the church need to start to begin to look at marriage in a lot more convicted way. Because even as the Christian church, marriage becomes too easy a thing to move out of. I'm not, I'm not saying that sometimes life is out of our control. So please don't mishear me here if, if that's something that you have struggled with or gone through yourself. But the thing is, sometimes life is out of our control. That happens. But sometimes we are not committed to. We're not committed to growing with that person with God. We're not committed to sort of building that relationship. And we go through the phases and that's exactly what the world is talking about. And so for, for the young people here today, you, you actually get to make that choice now to say, I am going to be faithful to the, God, the person that God brings to me. But the thing is, you, this is where all this starts to work together because you need to be faithful to God's plan. And if there's someone that comes into your life that this is not God's plan for you, don't surrender to it. Don't sort of settle for it. Wait for that time that God brings that right person into your life so that you can, you will trust in God's plan and you can be faithful to God's person for you. The thing is, I, I watch it all the time with young people and as adults, we're, at times we can be not that different is that there is a need to have another person complete us. And so for our young people, they go, sometimes it's the first person that sort of bats their eyes at me or shows interest in me becomes the person that I'll throw my life at. And sometimes God says, no, I've, I've got someone better for you. I've got someone who is coming your way. You need to trust and be faithful to the plan I have. Lastly, we need to be faithful to God's provision. Verse 17, after he talks about the wives, he says, you must not accumulate large amounts of silver and gold. Now, what, what does that say? Like, does that mean that um, you can buy platinum instead, like, or bonds or stock market or something else. No, no, it's not talking about, it's talking about again, where do we put our trust for things? Do we put our trust in the fact that we've got a lot of money in the bank? Because if you are trusting that, first of all, it becomes an idol for you. It is something that you've put more trust in than God. It becomes something that can actually disappear very quickly. Some of you may have already gone through that in your life. Money is not a consistent thing. God is. The thing is, God says it doesn't matter if you have money or not. Though you could have, like, the bajillion dollars of that people have got in, the, in your in your back pocket. And the thing is, but your trust is in God. And so, if my money disappears, I'm going to be okay. And God has brought this money into my life and I'm going, to, I'm going to be faithful to the plan that God has brought my way and God is going to use that money for His glory and His purposes. And because why? I am faithful to God's provision. I have faith in God's provision. 
We need to be able to come to a point where what I need, God will give. Now, again, I, at the same time, I'm, I'm right there with you. If I've got extra money over at the end of the month and I go, oh, the bills are paid, everything's done, like, it's, it's a good feeling. But at the same time, I've realized in this past year, when we get to a point where we feel like we've got surplus, there is a tendency, and you see this in cultures that are doing it, cultures that are wealthy, there is a tendency to say this, I do not need God. It, it may not be an audible thing that comes out of their mouth or a thought they go, but all of a sudden, where do they put their trust and their reliance? It's on the things that give them stuff. Pays my bills, buys a house, buys a car. It does this and that. And all of a sudden, I don't need to be faithful to God's provision. Now, the thing is, if you're, if you're not faithful to God's provision, this is what can go on and happen. All of a sudden, I've got to work more. I've got to work longer. I've got to work harder. I've got to find that better job. And all of a sudden, you can sacrifice family. You can sacrifice, sacrifice your marriage relationship. You can sacrifice your time at church. Why? Because I do not trust in God's provision for me. I need more. It pulls you away. It pulls your heart. And so we need to be faithful to God's provision. So as I wrap up today, to have a faithful heart is actually consistently doing the right things, having the right focus over and over again. There's probably needs to be a few more overs in there, but you, hopefully you grab that point because it's not about at one point in your life. Because I know, I know when I was... I was a teenager and had a really great experience with God. I said, God, I will trust you with everything I have. And I get a family and all of a sudden I've gone through situations where I remember when Elizabeth and I were first married, we had a period of time, uh, our first Christmas, had no money in the bank. Elizabeth wasn't guaranteed a job for the next year. And the job that I was working was actually a casual job and they shut down for about two to three weeks of the holidays. And so Elizabeth and I were just staying home, paying the rent, covering the bills and the only fun thing we went out to do was we went out to gold class because someone had given me tickets for my birthday like a year earlier. That was our treat to ourselves, something that was free. And at that time, yeah, both of us were that little bit worried. Now when I was single, I said, God, I trust you with everything. But it was another lesson to learn to actually trust him with my wife and I. And all of a sudden, we move up here to Rockhampton over 10 years ago. Elizabeth doesn't have a job. We don't have a house. It was a lesson again for me to learn to trust God with everything. I, I, I couldn't just base it off the decision I made when I was a teenager. Because when I was a teenager, I was fine with Weebix for breakfast and dinner, occasionally lunchtime. It was fine. Like, okay, a loaf of bread, that, that will, that can get me through for a week. You'd look at my cupboards and they want, hey, there's not a lot there, but there's more than enough. I look at my cupboard now and there's plenty in there, nothing out there I want though. But like, that's the side, beside the point. But the thing is, at different stages of your life, you will need to repeat that process. And so being faithful to what God has for us re- requires that consistent, step and repetition of things.
And this is the great thing. The world is changed through consistent repetition of right things. The problem is, too often or not, we take up the consistent repetition of the things that the world does, which aren't right things, which actually bring more harm. When we faithfully or consistently choose right things, we will create a pile of positive consequences called blessings. And while being faithful and being repetitive into that, it may not be as exciting God means for us to remain faithful in the mundane so we can significantly impact our individual worlds for Christ. When we faithfully or consistently choose this, we'll see how God can use it to bring about his glory through it. And there are some things that we just need to do over and again. There were some things David needed to do over and over again and we saw when he failed. Last week we talked that that very first verse of 2 Samuel 9, says, when the kings were, went off to war, David was at home. The right choice was him to go off and protect his country. And he did not do that. And it caused him a world of harm and hurt that affected his family for as long as he was alive. We need to be consistent in doing those. We need to be finding ways of repeating that in our lives. Being faithful to God's plan, his placement, his power, his person and his provision. And having faith in those things that God will supply those to us in his timing, in the amount that we need and trusting him with that. God calls us to have a faithful heart. And I pray that you are willing to take that consistent journey and to, to make those consistent choices and to trust in what God has for you. Lord, I, I thank you. I thank you that you, you bring to us the idea that we do need to be, we do need help in being faithful to you. And just as you did for David, you provided boundaries for him by, by which he should be king. And not that he followed them all, God, but it would have been of blessing and benefit for him to, to be obedient to your call on his life. There is blessing and benefit for us to consistently to walk in the steps that you have for us. To have faith in your plan and be faithful to it. To have faith in your placement for us and to be faithful to that to live our best possible life in even those difficult situations, even in those difficult seasons of our life, to trust you in those. To have, have faith in your power and to be faithful to it, to not use our own strength, to not use our own abilities to, to sort of get our own way and our own will in our life, but to trust in you. And to remember our strength comes from you. To be faithful and, and, and to have faith in the person that you have put us in. And even our wider circle, like to trust in the church that you have placed us in and the people that care for us and the people that we care for. But finally, Lord, to, to have faith in your provision and be faithful to it. 
to trust in your supply that will come in its, in its season. And so, Lord, help us turn our eyes and our hearts to the steps that we must take to see your kingdom come alive in us and to, to really set us on that path of a pursuit of a godly heart. We pray this in your name.